Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the very first Abel's Abstracts podcast. This is the introductory episode. Enjoy. Hello, hello, and welcome to the podcast. My name's Abel Tedros, and I'll be your host today as we speak about this introductory episode to the podcast. So, in this short recording, I want to get across a few things. One, what this podcast is about. Two, my mental model, or the way I like to think about cryptocurrencies and decentralized finance. And three, what you what you can expect for the next few episodes going forward. So what is this podcast going to be about? This is the important question that I'm sure you're asking yourself right now. Well, this is essentially going to be my outlet to explore the world of crypto and decentralized finance. And what I plan on doing is to explore, analyze, explain multiple different products, protocols, and ideas that are floating around in the crypto ecosystem. And what I hope for this podcast to become is a helpful resource to not only myself, but also other product founders, technical founders, product teams that are trying to build amazing new products and protocols in this new ecosystem. So that's a bit about what the podcast is going to be about. And now I'll get into how I think about crypto and how this is going to influence the podcast going forward. Now, I've been very fortunate to speak to many different people around uh, cryptocurrencies and decentralized finance. And I've heard some interesting models around how people contextualize this this new phenomenon within the larger context of the evolution of the internet. And none of the mental models that I've heard have resonated as much with me as the one I'm about to share with you right now. And this mental model comes from A16Z, also known as Andreessen Horowitz. And some of you may or may not know, they are one of the most influential venture funds in the entire ecosystem of tech in general. Uh, they've invested in multiple different projects that have changed the the fundamental infrastructure of the internet. They are they are one of the best, obviously very biased here, but one of the best VC funds um, to ever exist. And in 2018, they launched A16Z Crypto, which is a $350 million fund purely dedicated to investing in cryptocurrency projects and blockchain projects too. So they've also come up with a good thesis as to why they've started this fund. And I think that thesis is very useful in terms of um, thinking about crypto in the larger scheme of things. So the way they like to describe it is that every every 10 years or so, every decade, uh, a, a new computing platform tends to emerge, right? So if you think about the 60s, you'll, you'll remember mainframes. If you think about the 70s, you know, the late 70s, uh, PCs and the early 90s, you have the internet. And more recently, you have uh, smartphones in the late 2000s. Now, with each new computing platform, what's interesting is that with its unique features and unique strengths that it brings to the table, it allows for a new breed of applications to exist that couldn't exist before. And What's deceptive, though, about this new kind of trend that tends to exist every every 10 years, these new technology shifts, is that 
although this new computing platform is interesting because it has a new unique feature, it tends to be worse in many ways than the previous computing platforms that have existed before it, which often tends to get it dismissed in the early days. And um, one big example is uh, smartphones, right? So smartphones are the first truly personal computers that we've ever had. Uh, They have new unique features like built-in sensors, like GPS, uh, gyroscope, um, high-resolution cameras, you name it. You could honestly go down the list, right? So it has a lot of unique aspects to this new computer that allow it to do new and interesting, unique things. Now, if you look back to the evolution of smartphones, because the smartphone made trade-offs early on, you know, in terms of a smaller screen or a less powerful computer, a lot of people dismissed it. But what's gone on to happen, of course, is, as we all know, because of these unique features, applications like Instagram, Snapchat, Uber, Lyft would have never existed if PCs were the last computing revolution, right? So the fact that smartphones exist was a great platform to propel apps like Instagram, Snapchat, Uber, Lyft, et cetera, et cetera. And when you're in the early days of a new computing platform, you don't really realize that, right? So you tend to dismiss it, right? And that's exactly what happened with smartphones. You had people who publicly said, you know, what is this new platform? You know, wow, that's just such a small computer that's not even that powerful and it has a tiny screen. Why would I ever want to do anything on that? You know, that's a fad. It's never going to catch on. It just doesn't make sense, you know. That the criticisms were endless, you know, the criticisms were endless. And at the time, they were right, you know, if you think about it, at the time, they were right, you know, all the limitations that they said, you know, the fact that it had a small real estate in terms of screen, uh, the phone was less powerful than the current PCs and laptops at the time. They were right, like that computing platform wasn't primed to be built upon by product teams, developers, and and uh, things like this. But what it did have was a camera and a GPS built into it, right? You know, even, even back then, those early kind of iterations of GPS and cameras were very primitive. PCs and laptops didn't have them, which meant that the platform that is smartphones was unique and was able to be used for new and exciting applications, right? And the reason why I bring all of this up is to say that I feel like there's a lot of parallels here with crypto, right? In that if you look at crypto today, just through through normal lenses, right? It's very similar, right? It's 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 worse than the current computing platforms of today in many, many different ways, right? You know, it's a lot slower, it's a lot less scalable, it's incredibly complex, it's lacking a lot of features. A lot of these different things that force people to say, wow, this sounds like a fad. This sounds like another computing platform that's going to fail. But, and this is a big but, ladies and gentlemen, what people are missing is that there's one single feature in this new computing platform that has never existed ever before. And that's trust. Trust is super powerful. And that, and that sounds abstract. I promise I'll, I'll explain what I mean by trust. So, so it gives you a better idea of what I'm talking about. But stick with me for a second. So trust is super powerful, right? It's what drives society forward. On top of many things, it's what gives us the confidence to trade with one another and, and trust that this thing called money that we commonly use has value, right? So 
blockchain computers were first proposed by uh, Satoshi Nakamoto in 2008 post uh, financial crisis, right? You know, he wrote about it in the Bitcoin white paper as a, as a way to keep tabs on who owns what with this new digital money that that was created, right? And the thing about blockchain computers, and I'll, I'll kind of touch on the trust element here, which is that blockchain computers are a new type of computer where you don't have to trust in a particular third-party entity. The trust that arises in this particular platform comes from the mathematical and game theoretic properties that are embedded with the system, right? It's a system that is completely open where you can audit for yourself. Remember the words, don't trust, verify. Audit for yourself what the code does, how it runs, and you know, all the all the guarantees that, that come with that, right? And what this means, and you know, developers will appreciate this, is that because the trust is mathematically guaranteed and, and you know ensured through game theoretic properties, you don't have to be worried about the rug being pulled from under your feet, right? You know, with other platforms, you have to trust in the centralized party who is providing a service uh, maybe it's an api or a, or a new platform like you if you remember back in the day a lot of people did um build applications on top of facebook you know they had to trust in facebook as a platform this is completely different it's completely trustless in that you don't have to trust in an entity to build an application right which is phenomenal right a lot of even even now you know a lot of people rely on uh, Apple and Google to uh, launch their applications and get distribution. They're trusting in those entities to act in their best interest. Whereas this is a completely new uh, phenomenon. Well, it's not, not really new. It actually happened a lot back in the early days of the internet. You know, a lot of people with the early days of the internet tried to do this. They tried to create new protocols that uh, were trustless in nature and were open by default so that many pe many developers could come and build on top of them and create an amazing resource. That was actually the original vision of Sir Tim Berners-Lee, the guy who invented the internet. But unfortunately, the way the internet has evolved is that the pro there's different layers, right? So you have the protocol layer, which is where the applications are built on top, right? The protocol layer became... Uh, thin and not a lot of value was captured there and the application layer became fat and you know a lot of applications that run on these open source you know permissionless protocols began to capture the most most of the value and shape how the internet existed but with this new kind of paradigm of blockchain we're trying to flip the scales back again right and trying to introduce this new primitive this new software primitive called trust and with this new software primitive called trust you start to think, hmm, what applications are there in the world that rely heavily on trust? I know, money. And that's exactly what people are doing. They're creating digital money. You know, Bitcoin was the first example of that. But now with Ethereum, you can program money. And that is crazy. You know, you can program money the same way you program applications. And that has never happened in the history of humanity. And a lot, there's there's a lot of reasons why that is the case and obviously we can discuss a lot about that but I think it's irrefutable that one of the biggest reasons why we couldn't do this was because of the technical uh, it wasn't technically feasible right it just the tech wasn't there until now you know we have this amazing new um, platform this new computing platform that is blockchain and hopefully the same way I described with the other computing platforms in that 
at first they're dismissed and uh, seen as toys, you know, because they make certain trade-offs that are that make the platform in some cases worse than the previous platforms. This new unique ability to trust innately within within this platform, this computing platform, this this uh, blockchain architecture, will allow for new interesting applications. And one of them, of course, is money. And this new phenomenon has already begun to show itself, right? You know, decentralized finance, DeFi, uh, which I'm which I'm sure you've already heard of, is basically a mission to create an alternative financial system that exists outside of the one that currently exists, right? You know, a financial system that is native to the internet and is permissionless and is all built upon this trust infrastructure, which is incredibly game-changing, right? Although this is interesting and game-changing, blockchain has obviously made some trade-offs, right? Um, not every technology can be amazing without making certain trade-offs, right? And the trade-off that blockchain has made is scalability, simply transaction scalability, because the way the network is designed to maximize for security and trust, it's very hard to scale an application on the blockchain at the minute. So this leads a lot of people to dismiss them, which is what I'm discussing now. You know, a lot of people in the same way they dismissed smartphones when they were first coming into into play, they're dismissing blockchain right now. And that's exactly why I started this podcast to essentially talk about this new computing platform and hopefully teach people about its importance in the larger context of the evolution of the internet. Also want to get developers, product teams excited about building on this new platform because it can enable completely new and interesting applications that could never exist before. So a kind of a breakdown of how I want to generally structure this. And of course, this is all up for change. This is how I want to just take it for, for the foreseeable future is that I first want to start off by exploring the world of decentralized finance, exploring the world of crypto, talking about what it is, why it's important, and and why, more, in, more importantly, now is the best time for it to exist. And once I've done this, I'd like to take you on a journey where we pick a protocol, we pick a product, we pick an idea every two weeks, we analyze it, and we break it down. And what that will hopefully do is, over time, begin to teach you or build up a good frame of how to build the best products and protocols on this new computing platforms. And sometimes we'll pick a project where we'll have the founder or someone from the product team to come along and talk a bit about their project so that you can learn directly from them. So it's going to be an incredibly exciting journey. I am buzzing to get this kicked off. I really hope that this podcast is helpful and becomes an interesting entertaining resource for you to to understand a bit more about this world and so thank you so much for listening until next time peace